there were two kids that were playing, and they were playing at the park, and the one said, oh, we should go hide in there. And the other one said, no, that's the neighbor's yard. Not, we're not allowed to go in there. And the first one says, who says? You're not the boss of me. And the second one said, my mom says, we're not allowed to go in there. Now, this happens all the time, right? It happens all the time. That kids are going, who says? Do I have to listen? It's an authority question, right? Who says? Who made this rule? Who said that? Who told me I had to do that? Do I have to listen? Or can I make up my own mind? And, you know, when we grow up, we grow out of that, and we no longer have that issue. That we get told what to do all the time, and we just do it without even questioning it. Isn't that right? No. (laughs) No, when we grow up, we don't grow out of that at all. We grow up, and we still want to go, who says? Who says I have to do that? Who says I have to do that? I'm going to make up my own mind. I'm going to make up my own mind. Well, this morning, we have some people who are questioning Jesus in very much this same way. And uh, Mary was kind enough to read the scripture for us where Jesus enters the temple. We have Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? So the leaders of the temple came up to Jesus because they saw him teaching in the temple. And they're going, he's teaching in the temple. Jesus seems to have done a lot of things. He seems to have done a lot of things. He was up uh, north by Galilee, and he was doing all kinds of healing and teaching up there. Yeah, I noticed that. And then he came down this way, and he was doing healings and teaching down here too. Yeah, I noticed that too. And then did you notice that when he came into town, into Jerusalem, that all the people were praising him and like putting down branches and coats and like honoring him as if he was the king? Yeah, I noticed that too. And then did you notice that when he came into town, he threw out the the people who were changing money and selling things and buying and selling goods in the temple? Did you see how he did that? Yeah. I noticed that. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? And now, Jesus has the audacity to stand in the temple teaching the people. And the people who are sort of in charge of what's happening in the temple go, Who said you could do that? Who said you could do that? Now, in the structure of Judaism at this time, nobody spoke on their own authority, right? If you were going to teach on something, you were teaching under somebody else's authority. You know, Rabbi so-and-so said this, and so, and you would build on what Rabbi so-and-so said. But Jesus doesn't seem to be building off of anybody. Jesus just seems to be talking, teaching the people as if he knows what's going on. And so they come up to him and they ask him two questions. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you that authority? Now they they aren't 
that keen on people in authority, right? They're, they're living under Roman rule. So they're naturally suspicious of anybody who is exercising any kind of authority. But now Jesus is in their temple and he's doing this. And so they're wondering, by what authority are you doing this? Did, did, is this something from the Romans? Are you acting as a Roman that you're coming in here and teaching these things? That you're subverting the teaching of, of Judaism here? What, what's going on here? Are you, was there a rabbi? Was there a chief priest? Because I talked to chief priests and he didn't say anything about you. I don't think you're authorized to be here. I don't think you're authorized to be here. So they ask him these two questions. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you that authority? Authority is a really big question here. So what, what is authority? Authority is to hold power, right? It's to have the position and the responsibility to make decisions. That's the authority. And there are times when we find ourselves in positions where there are people who are in authority. You might go to the hospital, say. You might go to the hospital and you are uh, in the the. Um, the room and the doctor is there and the doctor is in charge. He has authority in that room. He's deciding what should, is good and what is bad for you, for your medical health. And he's telling the nurses and other staff, I need this tool, I need that tool, I need this medicine, I need you to do that. And people are just doing it because in that context, he's got the authority to do that, right? The doctor has that kind of authority. The position and the responsibility to make the decisions. But there are often times when we bristle under authority. That people are telling us what to do and we go, uh-uh, no, no, no. And we do that because we have a belief in our mind, it's ingrained in us as humans and in reinforced as Americans. I know what's best for me. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my mom. You're not the boss of me. We bristle under authority. We don't want people to tell us what to do. We don't believe that they are going to make a better decision for us than we would make for ourselves, even if we're completely ignorant within that context, right? I don't have any idea what's going on, but I'm pretty sure I have a better idea than whoever this is that's telling me what to do. I'm still going to come out ahead. And even if, even if I make a worse decision for myself than they would have made for me, I still want to make my own decision and live with the consequences so that they don't make it for me. Right? We've seen uh, misuses of power and abuses of power and authority where people tell us to do things for their own gain. And so there's some reason that we might be suspicious, but we're just suspicious all the time. We bristle up, we, we reject it, respond against it almost every time. My default, if you tell me what to do, is to go, uh-uh, no. And then I'll think about if I actually want to do it or not. But before I even think about it before I even consider it. If you've told me what to do, I'm going to go, nope, that's not it. Definitely not doing that one. Some of you have kids and you know what I'm talking about. You've told the kids what to do. Nope. 
This is your favorite dessert. I asked you to eat the dessert. Nope, you, you can't make me. Okay. Not a battle I'm willing to fight. So here they are, and they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we hear you teaching these things. We hear you saying these things. We see you demonstrating authority in cleaning out the temple, and now you're teaching the people. You have the audacity to do that. Who told you you could do that? By what authority? And who gave you that authority? Now, they are already inclined to disbelieve Jesus. They already don't like him. They are already suspicious. And so this is a setup, right? Because they're pretty sure he doesn't have a good answer to this. And Jesus answered them, verse 24, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. You've asked me two questions, I'll ask you one question. If you answer my one question, I will answer your two questions. Seems fair. This is Jesus' question, verse 25. The baptism of John, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from man? I promise you, they did not see this question coming. They were not ready for this question. They came in They were in charge here. This is their turf. Jesus is invading their turf. This is their temple. They're responsible for it. And they know nobody's given him any authority to be there. And so they know, they come with great confidence that they're going to get him to go, "Uh, nobody, I'm just doing this on my own, right? They are sure that they have him trapped on their home turf. And he comes with this question, and he says, I'm not going to ask who gave the authority or by what authority. I just want to know, for John the Baptist, did that come from heaven or was it from man? All of your authorities that you're talking about, all the authority that you think that you have within the temple, all of that is based on men. When John came, do you remember what John did? Let's go back just a little bit. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There's John crying in the wilderness, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn away from your sin. And when he was doing that, he was telling the people they were sinners, they needed to turn away from their sin, they needed to repent and receive the forgiveness of God and follow him. 
And in that act, he would baptize them. So he had all these sinners, all these people were coming to him. He's out in the wilderness. He's not in the temple. He's not in Jerusalem. He's outside in the wilderness, and people are flocking to him to hear this message of this weirdo in the wilderness, this prophet John proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of of heaven is at hand. And they would go and they would say, John, I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. And he would say, okay, let's baptize you. Let's baptize you in a baptism of forgiveness. That your sins might be washed away as you put your hope in God, as you turn away from your sin and devote your life to God instead. That's what people were doing. They were flocking to him as he was proclaiming these things, preaching these things. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the other leaders, that they came out, and this is what he said to them. When they came out to the baptism, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Let's say they weren't on good terms with John. They didn't really like or appreciate John. But all the people considered John to be a prophet, and they were listening to him. And the, the leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and elders, they, they were looking at John skeptically and going, I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, he sounds like Elijah or Isaiah or one of the great prophets. He's got this weird clothes on, this camel hairs, and he's, he's eating weird foods, and he's living out in the wilderness, and he's telling people good things. I mean, they should repent of their sin, those sinners. And they should turn to God. So yeah, that's, that's, I guess, pretty good. And they come out to see what's going on with John because they've heard about these things. And he goes, you're a brood of vipers. Hello? You keep baptizing the sinners. We're doing just fine. They have this conflict with John because John has been saying that the sinners need to repent and follow God. And now these leaders, religious leaders, are going, hold up, what do you mean us too? What do you mean us too? We're doing just fine. And John's going, no, no, in your heart you're not fine. You need to repent. You need to repent. And then he warns them, he says, I'm baptizing with water for repentance, but somebody's coming after me who's much greater than me. And he's going to come to judge the world. And Jesus now is reflecting back on that. Do you remember a few weeks ago, it wasn't even that many weeks ago, maybe three as we were preparing for Christmas, one of, the, one of the passages that we were looking at was John the Baptist, right? That, the, that John the Baptist was um, conceived and ready to be born, and before he was even born, the Holy Spirit was on him to identify who the Christ is, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, you remember the story, they couldn't have kids, and, and they were very old, and then... Uh, Elizabeth became pregnant, and the, the angel told Zechariah, here's what's going to happen. You're going to name him John, and he's going to prepare the way, and he's going to be the one who from the womb has the Holy Spirit on him, and he will identify the Christ. 
And when Mary came, who was also pregnant with Jesus, to visit Elizabeth, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb and went, that's the one, that's the one. And the Holy Spirit came on Elizabeth and she went, that's the one. That's the one. You see, Jesus' ministry has been aligned with John the Baptist, with John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus and pointing him out as a witness the whole time. From before he was born, through his baptizing people, then proclaiming, that's the one, to verifying it, sending his disciples, could you ask Jesus just to make sure, because I've been saying he's the one, but would you just make sure he's the one, and the disciples go and ask Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus goes, have you seen all the stuff I've been doing? And they went back to John and said, yep, he's the one. And now... John had been arrested and beheaded, but still the reputation lives on. Still the reputation lives on. People still are talking about, remember John? He even died like a prophet, arrested and beheaded. And he was telling us to get ready. And now Jesus aligns his ministry with John once again, and he says, my question for you is the authority of John. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? When he was out in the wilderness and he was proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Did that come from heaven or did that come from men? And now they're stuck. On their own home turf in front of all of these people, right? Now, if somebody were here in this church, and I'm just, I'm just picturing this, right? Now, I come in on a Sunday morning, and somebody is hauling chairs out of here. Who are you? What are you, what are you doing? Who told you you could take these chairs out of here? Now, if they said, well, Rick told me I could do it, or Steve told me I could do it, I'd go, oh, Okay. But if they just were hauling chairs out, and they, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just take, I just need these chairs, and so I'm taking them. Uh, no. No, you don't have the authority to take those chairs. And then if on Sunday morning now, it gets just a little bit later, and you're all here, and they come back in and walk up front and start talking, I'd go, hello, wait, whoa, time out. Who told you you could get up front and you could do the talking? Did Steve tell you that? Because he didn't tell me. Now these Pharisees, these scribes and elders are, are talking to Jesus on, his, on their home turf, the place where they feel like this is their temple. And Jesus is teaching there and they're asking, who gave you the authority to do this? They think he's trapped. So they came in really boldly while he's teaching in front of all of these people so that they can def uh, expose him in front of all those people. And they come in. Who gave you this authority? And he goes, uh, who gave John his authority? Did John's authority come from heaven or did it come from men? And now they're stuck. If they had confronted Jesus in private, they wouldn't be stuck. But they're stuck because of all these people that they wanted to have there as they exposed Jesus. They wanted to have all those people there. Now they're not all that happy that the people are there. 
Now they're stuck. They do a quick conference with each other, and they discussed it among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd because they think that John was a prophet. Do they care where the authority of John came from? Not really. They're they're not concerned about which of those two things is true. They didn't confer among themselves and go, was there evidence that the authority of John in his preaching and his baptizing came from heaven, or did it appear that it came from men? They're not asking those questions. They're not concerned about what is true. They're not concerned about what is true of John the Baptist. They're not concerned about what is true of Jesus. They're not concerned about that. All they want is for them to have control again of their home turf. You're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. And so now they're conferring, and they're not asking the question, did the baptism of John come from heaven? You know, we really should have talked about this before while he was still alive. Remember when we went out to talk with him, and he said, you brood of vipers, you also need to repent, and we didn't listen to him? It'd be really embarrassing if now it turned out that he was from heaven, that that authority came from heaven, that that message to us from him came from heaven. That would not be good. Yeah, pretty sure it's not that one. Why can't it be that one? That'd be really embarrassing. They don't want it to be that one. So what does that leave? The second option. Because there's only two options here, right? The authority of John either came from heaven or it came from man. We're not talking about rabbi so-and-so versus rabbi such-and-such. We're not talking about the Pharisees versus the Sadducees. Are you a Pharisee or are you a Sadducee? We're we're not talking about acceptable debates. We're talking about what is true and what is false. Did this come from heaven or did this come from man? And Jesus has aligned himself with John. He's going, I don't even have to answer my question. You asked me two questions, where did the authority come from, and who gave me that authority? And I'm going to ask you, did John's authority come from heaven, or did it come from man? And if you say from man, well, then I guess maybe mine does too. And if you say from heaven, maybe mine does too. In your answer, you will answer. But if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? And then what would we say? We didn't want to. You know, that's what it comes down to a lot. Do we have to submit to the authority of Jesus? Does Jesus have authority? I mean, it's fine to think of Jesus as a Savior, right? Really good guy, 
died on the cross for my sins so that I could live my life as I pleased, sin-free. Or at least forgiven, right? Wouldn't that be nice? I get to live the way that I want to live, and any sins that I happen to commit are forgiven because Jesus took care of it. What a nice guy this Jesus is. Except that Jesus comes not just as Savior, but as Lord. He comes with authority. And so we have to ask ourselves, not just what part of my life do I want to have saved by Jesus, but what part of my life do I want to put under the authority of Jesus? And that's a tougher question. But they go hand in hand. Because if I want Jesus to save a part of my life, then he's going to also have authority over that part of my life. He's going to redeem it and then instruct it. So why wouldn't I believe him? I don't really want to. As I start to calculate what parts of my life am I willing to have Jesus have authority over, well, Sunday mornings, okay, yeah. At least most Sunday mornings, that's fine. Jesus can have authority over my Sunday mornings. I told some of you this before. Uh, when I was in high school, my family moved from one place to another place. The first place that we lived, when we lived in, in Bellevue, Washington, uh, it was great. Sunday mornings, we went to the 8.30 service which meant by 10 o'clock, church was over, we were home having brunch, and we had the rest of the day to go for a hike, play football, watch football, whatever. In uh, my sophomore year of high school, my family made the tragic mistake of moving to Vancouver, Washington, and when we moved, we could no longer go to that great church that had an 8.30 service. Now, we had to go to this church that had a 10 o'clock service. Actually, I think it was a 10.30 service. Yeah, it was a 10.30 service because it was supposed to end at noon and the preacher never ended on time. So it was like 12.15 or 12.30 before church was done. And then my parents would stay and talk. And I talked to my dad and I said, Dad, we got to go to a different church. This one takes forever. And my dad said, I am sorry that I have raised you wrong. That you thought the only part of Sunday that was devoted to God was from 8.30 to 10 o'clock in the morning. That's the part I want to give to him. Okay, maybe I've grown a little bit now. And so we'll give him until noon. One o'clock, one o'clock, then the time is my own after that. And Tuesday evenings for life group? Okay, fine, and Tuesday evenings for life group. A Wednesday Bible study? Okay, every morning for, for devotions, every night for devotions, some prayer time here and there, fine, okay, fine. He can have a few of those things. How about at work? When I go to work, can Jesus have authority over that time too? I'll try to be moral while I'm at work. 
What about a complete authority that Jesus could speak into your life completely? What part are we trying to hold back? Not my free time, Jesus. Not my free time. That's my me time. You can have the other times. When I have something to give, you can have those times. You can have my family time, fine. Work time, fine. Church time, fine. But my time is my time. It's my me time. And so if I want to scroll something, Google something, watch something, veg out, that's my me time, Jesus. I, I need that. You can't have that. My identity, who I am, what I spend my money on, what I prioritize, my marriage, my sexuality, Can Jesus have authority over all of me? I don't know. Why do we resist that? Why do we cling on to it so tightly? Like a small child who refuses to eat their dessert because they will not be told what to do. It's because we think that if we hang on to what we have, that I'm going to make better decisions than Jesus. I don't want Jesus to have authority over my stuff, to be able to make decisions for me. I don't want that. I don't want to have to submit it to him and decide if this is the kind of thing that he would like. I just want to decide if it's the kind of thing that I would like. I don't want to submit to his authority. Because I think that ultimately I will be happier, more satisfied if I hang on to it and I just give him the pieces. Here, Jesus, you can have this part. You can have that part. Like you're sharing a cookie, right? And instead of breaking the cookie in half and being like, here, you can have this half and I'll have this half. It's like, okay, you can have this part, but I'm going to get the chocolate chip. And then you can have that part, and I'm going to eat the chocolate chip. And you can have that part, and I'm going to eat the chocolate chip. And I'm going to hold on to all the parts that I really like, and you can have the cookie parts, and I'll have the chocolate chip parts. And we'll share the cookie. Jesus says, I, I want the whole cookie. I want the whole cookie. I want you to give me the whole cookie. I want you to give me control of the entire cookie. Your whole life, I want control over your whole life. I want authority. I don't want you to hold anything back. Don't reserve anything for yourself. And we go, no, Jesus, I don't want that. You're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. And so this is where they find themselves. Then if they say, your authority and John the Baptist come from heaven, he will ask us, then why didn't you believe him and repent? And why don't you believe me? Well, that's easy then. That's easy. We just say it's from man. Verse 26, but if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd because they hold that John was a prophet. 
And so while they go to hold Jesus' feet to the fire in front of all of these people and really put pressure on him, suddenly their feet are being held to the fire with all of these people and pressure being put on them. And so they responded in the only way they felt they could. We do not know. I'm sorry, Jesus. That's a good question. It's a really, we've been asking ourselves that for some time. Where did that authority of John come from? Was that from heaven or was that from man? And we haven't been able to figure it out, Jesus. We just don't know where John's authority came from. Did ignorance absolve them? Can we plead ignorance with Jesus? Oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, I just didn't know. When you're trespassing and taking things that aren't yours, can you just go, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this wasn't mine. I felt like I wanted it and needed it, and so I took it. I didn't, I didn't even consider whether it might be somebody else's. You see, they're, they're trying to, because they don't want to acknowledge that they are willfully disobedient, they try to hide under the guise of, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And can I say that if you are not sure about whether or not Jesus' authority comes from heaven or not, you're trying to stay in this place of ambiguity where you can go, I can give him part of me but not all of me because I'm not even sure if he really has authority from heaven or not, that that is a dangerous place to be. Because it is just a willful disobedience while trying to hide under the guise of ignorance. We can't do that. If we really aren't sure, we have to evaluate it and know for certain, yep, the stuff that Jesus said, that came from man, it was all made up and is complete baloney, I can reject it. Or it came from heaven and I must accept it and I must respond. There cannot be any in-between. Because if we're going to give Jesus authority in one part of our life, we've got to hand over the whole cookie. We've got to give him the whole thing. And he said to them, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, are we stuck? They asked a really good question. Jesus, by what authority did you do this? And Jesus didn't answer. He said, I'll ask you the question. You tell me, by what authority did I do this? From heaven or from man? Now, they were expecting a rabbi so-and-so or a rabbi such-and-such, maybe. And he ratcheted up the, the things. I'm not talking about any rabbis. I'm just talking about, did it come from man or is this heaven sent? And now we're stuck, right? Because Jesus didn't answer the question. Or did he answer the question? Without directly answering it, he made it so that everybody knows the answer to the question. The scribes, the elders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people that are observing, everybody knows 
what Jesus' answer to this question is. His authority comes from heaven. John, the prophet, the Baptist, his message was heaven-sent, and Jesus is heaven-sent. In John chapter 5, this is from uh, the Apostle John, in his letter, he says, uh, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things to you so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. There can be no confusion in fact, when John the Baptist asked to clarify, Jesus, are you the one? Jesus said, look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. His works and the witness of John the Baptist and the testimony of God the Father all agree that Jesus is heaven sent. That Jesus is heaven sent. And so when we look at the evidence and when we look at Jesus, we have to say, then why didn't you believe him? And if you believed him, why did you not give him all of you? And the only answer we can give in honesty is not, I don't know, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to give Jesus all of me. I didn't want him to have authority over all of my life. Because I wanted to decide what happened to the chocolate chips. I wanted to decide what happened with the parts of my life that I'm holding on to the tightest. And I'm afraid that he's going to take them away from me and I'm going to lose all my joy. Do you know what Jesus is going to do with authority over your life? John chapter 10 verse 17 says this, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. My joy And so if Jesus' authority has come from heaven, then why would you not believe him? And why would you not give him everything that you have? This morning we get to celebrate communion together. And we get to celebrate that the thing that Jesus does when he has authority over our lives is he gives his life for ours. And so if you believe that this morning, that Jesus' death and resurrection is for the forgiveness, not just of sin in general, but yours in particular, I would encourage you to participate with us, 
The worship team is going to come up and lead a song, and uh, you can come, and there, we've got two tables in the front, and there's some uh, in the lobby as well, that you can take the bread and the cup back to your seat, uh, and then I will come up after the next song, and we will all uh, take it together. Uh, and for those of you that that's important, these are gluten-free, so I, you can participate with us. Let's now pray. Father, we are so grateful that our sin is forgiven in Jesus. And Lord, if there is anything that we are trying to hold on to, that we are trying to keep from you, we ask that you would expose it, that we might repent of that and willingly give you all that we have. Lord, we thank you for the love that you have demonstrated that Jesus laid down his life and takes it up again. And we praise you for this in his name. Amen.